Okay, good evening, everybody. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Complete Sports Media Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell, and joining me to do a weekend wrap-up as usual, Jason Cameron. How's it going, buddy? Uh, how was your weekend? Uh, it's going well. Uh, the weekend was great, great. I went with some friends, uh, saw the Mariners play the Blue Jays on Saturday night and Sunday for the Nooner. Nice. It was- it was great. It was fun. I, I'm always amazed at how many people from Canada go down to see a Mariners game with the Blue Jays are playing. It looked like we took over the stadium. <laughs> Didn't do us much good, though, because the Blue Jays still could win a game. But we were there to cheer them on, regardless. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, yeah, it's usually about two or three times uh jays fans to mariners fans and uh definitely feels like a home field for for toronto and uh, i'm amazed at how how much of a migration happens down there yeah i i i am amazed too because again like it it looked like we literally took over their baseball field i think at one point in time i may have asked are there any mariners fans (laughs) the guy behind me happened to be one he was with his family goes yes myself and 14 others yes <laughs> yeah yeah i uh i used to be a pretty big mariners fan i really uh loved them during the a-rod days and ken griffey and all those guys uh you know really appreciated them when they had each row and a lot of fun talent but i think they have the longest playoff drought in north american team sports uh, I don't think, I think that they actually hold the record. Uh, I think it's been 20 something years since they've had a sniff at the playoffs and there's been some very bleak, pretty sad, awful teams down there. Uh, they're doing pretty good right now. I think they won eight in a row and, uh, uh, really starting to pick up some momentum, but, uh, the fans are, you know, after 20 years of, of tough times, uh, it's been a hard, hard for the, t- the fans to trust them and get back interested. Yeah, of course, because if you've been been that mediocre for that long, it, it's kind of you, you kind of lose the fans at some point in time because yeah. uh, they don't trust you. They don't trust the organization or the direction the organization is going in because you can't even make the playoffs like once <laughs> in a very long time. Yeah. So uh, did you were you paying attention to the game or just drinking lots of beer and uh, having, having lots of fun? Uh, <laughs> you're, you're you're not a big huge baseball guy but uh so is it more more fun beer drinking and just checking out everybody else than the game uh well yes but how about this a little bit of half and half okay a little bit of like being there watching the game interacting with the fans and just just having just just having fun you know mm-hmm. like it just just enjoying just enjoying the environment at the stadium which is a great stadium it, i at that stadium is just functionally it's perfect you got great sight lines everywhere you can see the baseball field from wherever you want to see it and then they even have like beer garden areas where you can stand and watch too as well yeah it's it's nice yeah i love i love that field it's really awesome there really really nice i i love going down there for games uh it's it's super super fun uh did you get to see like batting practice did you uh you know get get to see some guys hitting some home runs before the game uh no unfortunately i every time we did go we went right when the game was starting so we, we were there on <laughs> was it cool to see uh 
Vladimir Guerrero Jr. up close. Uh, some of some of the, the top guys on the Jays. Yeah, it was it was cool. Like I I knew that Vladimir Guerrero was a big man. I just I guess I wasn't aware of how big he is. He's a, he's massive actually. Yeah. Yeah, that that is a big dude. That is a big dude. And then and then I think it was our was it the back catcher? No, at, his name was Alexander Kirk. I think. Yeah, Alejandro then, Kirk. Yeah, Alejandro Kirk. Yeah. Thank you. That dude looked like a fullback. He was built. He was, he's like built like a little mini fortress. I was just like that guy looks like he's ready to hit a hole in football rather than swing a bat in baseball. That's yeah. what I look like. Yeah, he's he's great. He's uh, made the All Star team this year, and he's one of the best catchers in baseball, one of the best hitters in baseball, and he doesn't have a a body that you would typically think a huge great athlete for baseball, but uh, he's come in and uh, he's just smacking the hell out of the ball and. And just uh, he's he's been one of the best players on the team this year. Yeah, yeah, I, I I found him to be quite impressive. And then the other guy that actually played well, at least in the two games that I watched, was uh, George Springer. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. guy's good. That guy's a good yeah. player. Oh, he's phenomenal. Yeah, didn't he? Uh, didn't he hit the home run on the first pitch? Uh, yeah, in, in the one game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. he's so super talented. Uh, Big massive contract to bring him over from Houston, but yeah, they, they, he's been uh, he's been a really really big addition over the last couple of years with them. So yeah, yeah, it, it was pretty obvious to me that he was uh, quite talented, quite special, special talent, special player. Uh, and uh, yeah, he well he did his best to try to help the Jays win. Nice. Just happened to not be enough. No, no, yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I'm glad you got a chance to go down there. Uh, I love hearing people's stories about when they go down to Seattle and see Jays games. Uh, it is incredible how much how many Jays games uh, Jays fans go down there and just uh, cheer on the team. Uh, I just actually bought uh, some tickets to the Seahawks. Uh, we're going to go to see the Seahawks play the Raiders in November. Um, uh, my girlfriend Larey is a massive Raiders fan. Used to have season tickets and has been a fan forever, and uh, decided to for her birthday to get her uh, some Seahawks Raiders tickets uh, cost me a lot of money, but uh, it's going to be going to be awesome. And uh, really looking forward to going down there for a few days and, and checking it out. Uh, they, they really do it well. It's in the same neighborhood too. And uh, they really uh, uh, do it up well uh, for, for Hawks games, tailgating and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... It's funny. We actually had mentioned that too, as like, so since now COVID is no longer kind of a thing uh, to go see a Seahawks game and stuff. And actually, even while I was at the game, it's funny that you mentioned the Raiders, that's the game you want to go see. Cause I ran into fans that were Raiders fans. They were all over me trying to tell me, yeah, you have no idea how good we are. My goodness. We got the Adams. Who are you going to double? Who are you going to double out there? You can't double any play. They're just, they were all over me. It was, it was fun. It was fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Raiders fans are passionate people for sure. Uh, they, they really like uh, talking about how great they're going to be every year. And if you have uh, any differing opinions, it's usually keep them to yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Because another one of their friends, fans out there, it, he was a Chargers fan. And so he was trying to get a word in edgewise about his Chargers, but his friends wouldn't. They were just like Raider Nation forever. You don't know what you're talking about. We're going to crush everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It is hilarious. Uh, 
Yeah, there's a little bit of uh, NFL talk to to do uh, in this podcast, but uh, most for the most part, we're going to talk about a lot of UFC and some basketball. There's been uh, a lot of developments in the uh, first 10 days of free agency in the NBA and the summer league's going on. Uh, have you been able to catch any of the summer league games, uh, seeing, seeing any of the action? I've, I've just caught a couple highlights just about uh, uh, on some of their uh, the few like the first round drafts picks that were picked. Right, nice. So I saw some highlights on Chet Holmgren. Oh man, okay. So then I saw some uh, highlights of uh, Jaden Ivy. Ooh, yeah. wow, awesome. that that dude is impressive. Okay, yeah. that, that's all I got to say. I was not expecting that from that guy. Yeah, I, yeah, that his athleticism is out of this world. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty wild, yeah. There's there's been a lot of really awesome developments. Um, I and I'm loving seeing uh, Scotty Pippen Jr., uh, Shaq's Shaq's kid, Sharif O'Neal. Uh, there's been you know a lot of Canadians. There's actually 17 Canadians uh, playing in the summer league uh, for various teams. So pretty awesome to be able to see them. Um, yeah, it's been it's been fun. I've I've definitely watched. Uh, a lot bits and pieces of a lot of the games and uh, nice, nice to yeah have the, have the whole entire league really uh, showcasing the talent. And I think that a lot of these guys are going to be able to find NBA contracts, G league deals uh, because the, the top end of these contracts are so high. You're going to need some low ended contracts to come in and balance it out and fit, fit under the salary cap. So I think a lot of these guys uh, are able to, showcase themselves they, they they got a real legitimate shot to make an nba roster oh absolutely and also too i believe the nba roster still have an expanded roster because of covid mm-hmm. and and they, they still need their numbers to match so if if anything this is probably one of the best times for guys to try to make it into the league because they're just taking on more guys just in case anyways right every team needs to do that yeah totally um Lots of amazing sports over the weekend. I mentioned the USC, the NBA. Uh, also, uh, I think one of the biggest highlights of the weekend was uh, Novak Djokovic uh, ended up winning the Wimbledon and uh, got his 21st Grand Slam title, uh, fourth in a row uh, at Wimbledon. Uh, the guy is just uh, absolutely phenomenal. And he, he faced uh, first-time Grand Slam finalist, Nick Kyrgios, the bad boy of tennis. Uh, do you do you know much about him? He's a he's a crazy Australian who uh, yells and screams at everybody uh, in the crowd. Uh, flips off the umpire, the referee. He gets uh, gets in fights with the the people in the stands. Uh, he's pretty uh, he's pretty wild, and uh, not a lot of people thought he would be able to reach a Grand Slam final because of all the antics, but. He made it there and uh, won the first set, had beat uh, Joker um, two times previous, and Djokovic had never won a set off of him. So uh, it was pretty uh, pretty entertaining. He, he didn't tone it down. He was still his belligerent self uh, on Sunday there, but it was a three-hour match, and uh, Djokovic ended up pulling out the win. Well, say, Djokovic is that good. It, it's funny that you, you mentioned that because – when I was hearing about like um, uh, the setup for the game, right? Yeah. Uh, there was one analyst in particular that gave uh, a what was that guy's name? Krios, Chris, 
Uh, Nick Kyrgios. Kyrgios, Kyrgios. Yeah. He didn't give him a shot at winning. Right. He said, that dude has no shot at winning. And I was like, oh, well, well he's in the final, so I'd say he had a little bit of a shot. But Djokovic showed his uh, his quality again, winning again. And uh, for Kyrgios, though, it sounds like we got another John McEnroe on our hands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Except maybe a little bit crazier. Yeah, and and not as talented. Uh, obviously, McEnroe won a ton in his career, and so Kyrgios has a lot to go there. But it was crazy. Almost every time he lost a point, he would scream at the people in his private box. He would just yell, uh, yell and scream at them. And then he said somebody was somebody yelled something from the fan uh, from the crowd, and he called the fan a drunken idiot. And he was arguing with the referee as he was sitting there next to him. Between points, he was yeah screaming and yelling at the guy, and uh, yeah, it was yeah. It reminded me of McEnroe, but obviously McEnroe, uh, you know, had a phenomenal career and was super successful. You know, even though he, you know, did uh, get into a lot of conflict. Yeah, of course, yeah, he, and he did get into a lot of conflict. Which it seems that uh, Kyrgios is a man that loves that. He loves maybe I think he's the kind of player that feeds off conflict that maybe that's why he is the way he is. Yeah, yeah, could be. Uh just the it's just been absolutely amazing the this era of tennis. We've got the big three, three best players of all time. They've won 20 of the last 22 major titles, Nadal, Djokovic, and Federer. Uh Nadal and Djokovic have actually won 15 of the last 17 major championships. And uh, if you throw Andy Murray in there, <coughs> the last, that four have won the last 19 Wimbledon titles. So uh, 19 years in a row, those four guys, uh, Murray won two, and then the rest have, have won tons in there. Um, Djokovic has won 86 matches at Wimbledon. 85 at the French Open, 82 at the Australian, and 81 at the U.S. Open. He's got nine Australian Open championships, seven Wimbledon titles now, three U.S. Opens, and two French Opens. And the crazy thing is he's not able to play in Australia. He wasn't able to play in Australia this year because of his uh, non-vaccination status, and he's unable to enter the state, so he will not play in the U.S. Open uh, upcoming and uh, so he's only able to play in uh, two majors this year and uh, but he's he's got 21 major titles Rafael Nadal has 22 and Roger Federer is 20 so uh, the big three are phenomenal uh, but yeah it's just such a pleasure to watch uh, the you know the best players in the world and uh, this guy I think when it's all said and done I think Novak will hold all the records and and have the uh, you know be be considered the the greatest of all time, but um, yeah, it was uh, super entertaining. I thought it was probably uh, my best sporting event over the weekend. Yeah, that uh, I again saw the highlights. Uh, the match looked like it was super entertaining, and again, it's it's always a pleasure to watch the best of the best do their thing. Yeah. You know, like and that that guy is literally one of the best of the best, and he still has many years of tennis ahead of him. Yeah. So, yeah, I was uh, I was disappointed. Rafael Nadal ended up having to pull out uh, of his semifinal match uh, against Kyrgios. He has some ab abdomen issue, uh, pulled some muscle. He wasn't able to 
serve anymore and uh, had to had to withdraw but um yeah it was it was amazing entertaining and and great as always um and then last uh we didn't do a podcast last week but a couple weeks ago i also mentioned f1 there was a great f1 race from austria on the weekend uh charles leclerc was the winner uh max verstappen finished second and lewis hamilton third 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 race in a row that hamilton was on the podium um absolutely phenomenal race and uh i didn't see a lot of uh coverage from your cousin not sure why uh i I tuned into cameron f1 and i was expecting to see all the great stuff he does with qualifying and uh during the race and all that and he wasn't there so uh i will have to find out uh why he missed this particular race yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll find out at some point in time. Uh, he, hey, he, he could have been out with the family and stuff because I know he has a little one at home now. So right. they could have been on vacation. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I missed it. I was uh, really wanting to hear his takes. And uh, he's he's made me even more of an F1 fan. I always was. But uh, just having his insight, the people that he brings in for interviews, the the great analysis he always gives, uh, man, uh, really, really love the guy. And, uh, he's, he's one of the best, uh, at it from all the analysts I've, I've seen around the world. He he's definitely reached, uh, you know, one of those top guys in, in my opinion from around the world. Oh, he's, he's excellent at it. Like he's got, he's got great insights in, into the sport, great insights. And, uh, he just he speaks so incredibly well, and he's so super passionate about the sport, and obviously that comes across in his videos. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty neat that uh, two cousins from across the pond from each other are both analysts, uh, both got into the same kind of podcasting world, and uh, yeah, really entertaining fans out there with their great analysis of sports. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's awesome actually. Yeah, I, I I'm, I'm super proud of them. I'm super proud of where he's 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 taking his uh his YouTube channel and this podcast and to, and also too to, for the future. It's just he's just gonna get better. He's just yeah. gonna get better, just like we're just gonna get better. So. Yeah. Well, when I was when I was a kid, I was driven, super driven. I wanted to be the best in the world at something, and I I I opened up the Guinness Book of World Records and I kept looking and thinking I could beat that record, and I would try and I would fail. And then I, I, I get another record, try and fail. Uh, I tried being the best at, you know, competitive eating. I tried, you know, many things. I was, I was pretty good at many things, but I never was the best. But I guess we have a platform here where, you know, theoretically we could become the best at this. Yeah, as, as long as we just keep putting in the work and putting in the time, I think, you know, like the, we, there, there's, there's, there's just no limit to what we can potentially accomplish. None. I, I'm actually, I'm actually the best swamper in the world right now. Uh, I don't think anybody can dispute that. So you know, uh, I, I should you know get some kind of uh, title for that, some kind of belt or something. Oh, so you want a belt? Okay, so that that's where that's where we're really at. So would you like to do this? Would you like to do Aaron Rodgers every time? It's like oh, I, I'm wearing the belt. I'm the belt. The goat, yeah, the goat. I'd like to be called the goat. Uh, is there anything that you've uh, attempted and tried to become the goat at the, the number one in the world? Uh, it might have been, you know, I might have tried swimming when I was younger at some point. I found out, no, I can't do that. I'm not going to be the best at swimming at all. 
uh, because they're, for certain people, they have a very easy time of like, you know, treading water and stuff. No, I'm treading water to literally live. I'm not, I'm not, if I stop, I'm going to sink and I'm going to die. So I'm going to drown. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't actually think, for some reason, I don't think many black people can swim very well. I don't know what it is. I, I, I don't know what it is, but uh, that's, that's, I think that's a thing. <laughs> Might be a thing. I'll, how about this? I'll say this for sure. Definitely a thing for me. I ain't a good swimmer. I'm not, I'm not good. I do not trust the water. I like ground underneath my feet and that's the way it will always be. Yeah. <laughs> what about um, eating? Did you have, you uh, entered into any competitive eating contests? Uh, I've never done that. I've no. never done that. I probably should though. Yeah. I got a pretty healthy appetite. So I've heard. You're a big <laughs> eater. Yeah. You, you, lo you love food. And there, uh, there were, uh, there was, um, Obviously, we didn't do the podcast last week. Uh, they had the big um, hot dog eating contest in Coney Island. And uh, they also have a lot of other competitive eating contests around there. But Joey Chestnut won his 15th hot dog eating title, uh, going down as the greatest of all time uh, competitive eater. Uh, this year, he was a little bit... Um, I don't know. He just, he wasn't pushing it much. He only ate 63 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Uh, I think he's, I think he's been up to about like 90, I think in 10 minutes before. So. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's, that's well, ridiculous and incredible at the same time. Like how, how can anybody eat that much in that short amount of time that much? But it sounds like Joey was just like, you know what? I'll just do what I need to, to win this time. I'm not going to show off. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, he's. I think he still beat the the second guy by twenty hot dogs. So, you know, like, yeah, he just he blew everybody away, but he was still just taking it easy. It looked like. Yeah, he, he was. It's kind of like Usain Bolt, where he just cruised into the win. Just cruised in. It's like, ah, oh, no, I I got it. I got it. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, well, um, we. We definitely missed last week. Uh, I, I was glad you were able to get some family time in, like you said, with your cousin there. Um, but um, yeah, I'm glad we're back this week. Um, the only other thing I want to mention before we get talking about sports is uh, we lost a, a couple of acting legends this week. Uh, two guys that were synonymous with um, gangster roles, uh, mafia type guys, James Kahn. Uh, we lost him 82 years old. He was Sonny Corleone in The Godfather. A um, lot of uh, amazing praise for him and his acting abilities and, and his great career uh, came pouring out this past weekend. And uh, Tony Sirica, uh, he died. He was um, a part of The Sopranos, played Polly Walnuts. And, um, and then it made me also think about Ray Liotta, who just recently passed away three guys that uh, were really very, very synonymous for playing uh, mobsters and, and bad guys uh, in film. Yeah. And they were very, very good at it. And actually you just, I didn't know that Ray Liotta passed. Honestly, mm -hmm. I, 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 I did not know that because I, I, I love that guy. Yeah. He was, he's by far and away from myself when it comes to those Italian mafia movies, he was one of my favorites Nice, all the time, all yeah. the time. Yeah, and Goodfellas, and when he played Henry Hill, oh man, that was a legendary role that I don't think anybody will ever forget if they've they've been able to witness it. Oh yeah, no, he was he was absolutely stellar in that role. Like it was like the role was made for him to yeah. play. 
Yeah, and uh, only 67 years old, seems young to me. Um, the other guys, uh, uh, Tony Sirico was 79, and uh, James Kahn was 82. Uh, great lives they led, uh, but um, yeah, sad to see uh, a bunch of really legendary actors uh, uh, making their final curtain call this past week. Yeah, it, it's 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 sad. It's 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 disappointing that we were going to lose such great actors already. But uh, you know, uh, may they rest in peace. And every every fan across the globe is just incredibly appreciative of what they were able to give for us to experience and see on the big screen. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, well said. Okay, well, uh, should we do um, some UFC? Uh, recap uh, talk about USC Vegas 58 um, we had a uh, great main event uh, a lightweight battle between uh, number seven former champion RDA Rafael Dos Anjos against uh, number 10 and up and coming prospect uh, yeah really 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 talented guy and Rafael Fizid. Um great great battle uh, it actually looked like RDA might pull this out. Uh, uh, he he won that fourth round for sure. Uh, I think he was up on the cards probably going into that fifth round and uh, made one little mistake and uh, got knocked out. I think it was an early stoppage, but uh, it uh, he definitely, um, yeah, just wasn't safe enough in that fifth round. Yeah, he got caught with that huge left hand that sat him down. And then uh, Fiziev, I think, maybe followed up with one or two strikes on the ground and it was called. It was over the fifth. And the thing I was very impressed at is clearly that Fiziev maintains his power throughout the entirety of that fight. Yeah. So that was impressive to me. The other thing that was super impressive to me about Fiziev, his takedown defense is second to none. Mm-hmm. RDA is a specialist in that department. And he got, for myself, I know they said, I think they said it was two, but for me, there was only actually one. That was the definitive takedown. That's it. Yeah. That's all he got from that guy. I, I thought that was impressive. You're right. Um, yeah, RDA being a BJJ expert and uh, usually takes down guys multiple times, holds them down in, in a, in a four-round fight uh, to only get one takedown. It was incredible. Um, but yeah, the, the, the power on Fiziev, uh, look out, uh, you know, the top of the division. Um, yeah, any of these guys should be a little worried to fight him because, uh, he, you know, yeah, he didn't lose any power uh, as that fight wore on. And that was no. the first time he had been past three rounds. Yeah, and it, and it looked like he'd been doing five rounds for this whole time. He did not tire out, really. Um, and again, like I said, like he he was able to fight off those takedown attempts by RDA the whole fight. Like, and that, that was what was really impressive to me, which, you know, obviously I think that helped set up that left hook that he finally threw in that fifth round. Cause when they, they came at each other and I'm like, okay, this is going to be a fun round. I just didn't think it was going to be over that quick. I, I was, I was still shocked even when I saw it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, definitely. It was a, a shocking finish and I, yeah, I wasn't expecting it. RDA went into that fight with the second most fight time in the octagon in the history of the sport. Uh, Frankie Edgar uh, leads with a little more, uh, almost uh, eight hours. Um, And uh, RDA had been in there just uh, under eight hours. So um, yeah, veteran 
uh, had been through so many wars and, and as I said, was champion before. Um, so uh, they haven't released the rankings yet as far as I've seen, but uh, as I said, RDA was number seven, Fiziev uh, was number uh, 10. Uh, they might do the flip-flop in the rankings and <coughs> up there. Uh, he called out Justin Gaethje, who's currently uh, number three in the rankings. Uh, no champion, as you remember. Uh, Charles Oliveira got stripped of the title for missing weight. Uh, he's number one, Poirier number two, Gaethje three. Then we got Makachev four, Chandler five, and Benil Dariush number six. Um, I don't know. Do you think they give him a, a number three when you move up to number seven? Uh, do you think? Uh, you think we'll see something materialize between those two guys? Yeah, yeah. I, I think they. I think they try to go for anywhere somebody in the top. Yeah. Three to five. I, I think that's what his next goal will be. I think that's who they're going to give him. They're going to give him somebody in the and somebody in the top five yeah. for sure. That that is by far and away that that's somebody in there. That's his next fight, and uh, I'm looking forward to whoever that is because that's just a killer's row, as we've already said. Yeah. It's a murderer's row. Yeah, yeah, amazing amount of fighters uh, on the top there. Um, he's with uh, Sanford MMA has. Now changed, uh, they were able to um, get a company called Kill Cliff uh, to uh, do a sponsorship deal with them. So now they're the Kill Cliff FC group, uh, Henry Hooft and all that. We've been, I've been talking about Sanford MMA so much lately. They've got just an incredible amount of top, top talent there. And uh, that was a huge win for them. Uh, another one of those Florida camps that's, uh, yeah, just producing – some of the best fighters uh, on the planet right now. It must be, it must be awesome to be able to train there because when you go into these fights, you're like, well, I've already faced all these other guys that are top in the world. Who, wh what are you going to give me that I haven't seen yet? Exactly. Like what, what could you possibly do that? I'm already not like completely compared, like prepared for. I've already been put in the worst positions and always have to battle out of said positions. Yeah. And like when you have a high quality team like that, with, with guys that are that hungry and they're that good. It's just like iron sharpens iron all the time. That's why those guys are that good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, four out of the six fights on the main card went to a decision. Not always a super big fan of talking about the decision. So why don't we just jump into the other knockout on the main card? Uh, also a 50 K bonus was, handed to this guy. Chase uh, Sherman and Jared Vandera were both trying to fight for their jobs. Chase uh, came in on a four-fight losing streak, Vander on a three-fight losing streak, and uh, they really threw a lot of heavy leather with each other, uh, weren't backing down, uh, were just constantly uh, doing the rock'em, sock'em robot thing, and it was pretty great until Sherman just Finally landed one shot. Uh, I counted 20 unanswered shots before he finally uh, got pulled off of him and uh, the fight was stopped. Uh, there was a lot of clamoring online that this was a late stoppage compared to that early stoppage, I thought, uh, for the main event. What did you think? Uh, he definitely put it on him and, and was really battering the heck out of him. I thought the ref gave Vandera all the chances in the world to maybe turn the fight around. 
maybe too many chances, maybe. But at the same time, you know, he he gave he gave him his chance, and Sherman put together that twenty punch combination at the end of the third to put him away. So Bandera is incredibly tough. I was incredibly entertained by this fight because normally you don't ever see heavyweights throw that many strikes in any fight. Those guys were in fantastic condition for this fight, super well prepared. They both had the will to win, but unfortunately, only one of them could win. And it was Sherman's night that night. And he looked he looked fantastic. He looked sharp. He looked crisp. His footwork was on point. And uh, his accuracy was definitely on point as well with his strikes. Yeah, he uh, uh, yeah, he was yeah, he was just really on. I thought, um, yeah, he he took some abuse. It uh, wasn't great on his defense. But um, man, he uh, yeah, once once he landed that. That big telling shot, uh, he just um, swarmed them, and and uh, yeah, twenty unanswered shots. <laughs> finally, uh, yeah, the fight was stopped uh, mercilessly. But it was uh, it it was entertaining, and I'm glad he got a 50k bonus for it. Uh, I guess the um, the next fight I just do want to mention is uh, we finally saw Iman Zahabi uh, back in there. Uh, great to see uh, Faraz's little little brother in there uh for us a hobby being one of the best mma uh coaches trainers in the world um he was george st pierre's guy for uh, his entire career uh george st pierre was in the crowd great to see him there and uh great to see amon uh having a really 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 solid performance against ricky tercios who was famous for winning the latest edition of the ultimate fighter yeah, uh, for Amon, I was really impressed with his patience. He took his time in there. He he took his time. He countered when he needed to, and he countered beautifully uh, for the most part for most of that fight. Yeah. And uh, he he refused to be put into any traps that Tertius was trying to set by using those feints or yelling at him for whatever reason. Um, but... <laughs> But yeah, he he didn't fall for any of the feints. He just took his time. He countered him beautifully. That's what won him the fight. He looked he looked great out there. Yeah, yeah. He had a bit of a, a long layoff. Uh, he had some injury troubles. Uh, he said Montreal uh, they were really bad with this COVID crackdown. Um, TriStar, I've been there, and it's um it's in this old apartment building. It's really weird. Uh, you wouldn't think a gym would be. Uh, situated where it is but uh, they had some neighbors that would call the police every day when they saw any fighters arrive at the gym and uh, because of the lockdown covid restrictions so the police would come every day and and uh, say to the guys we're gonna have to find you we're gonna have to uh, you know give you tickets and blah 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 and uh, so he said his training he wasn't able to train for for a very very long time so he said it just wasn't wouldn't be good to try to accept fights if he couldn't train at all, and uh, so he had a long layoff, uh, but has come back and uh, had a couple of big victories recently. And uh, yeah, I, I I'm very impressed with his patience and uh, his skill level uh, is, is off the charts. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I guess it helps if your brother's one of the best, you know, MMA trainers on the planet. So, and then having somebody as as uh, as a sounding board, as a coach, 
uh, somebody of like that nature of that uh, of that standard. Yeah. It, it's it's amazing, and it's obviously helped him in his uh, in his MMA career. Yeah, really great. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I, I love love seeing those guys, and great to see uh, George Saint Pierre out to support um, his guys. That was awesome. Um, the fight that kicked off the main card uh, was a was the fight of the night. Uh, both guys got fifty k for the fight of the night. Uh, I actually thought Michael Johnson won this. I was kind of um, pretty upset with it. Uh, he. I thought won two rounds and uh, Malarkey only won one. Uh, two, it was a split decision. Two of the judges gave it to Malarkey, 29-28, and only one to Johnson. But, um, yeah, what were your thoughts uh, while you watched this and uh, with the decision? Uh, did you think it was just? I, I had – I'm going to be honest. I had the same as you. I thought Johnson did enough to win. Um, it was obviously an incredibly close fight. It was a great fight. I'm, I'm always amazed at Johnson's hand speed. His hand speed was like second to none. Like when he, I think he dropped uh, Malarkey in, the, in the, I want to say in the first with that two punch yeah. combo. Yeah. That, that those those two punches, I thought that was one punch. I, I didn't think it was two punches. Oh, I honestly yeah. thought it was one punch. That's how fast it was. Damn, damn. yeah, he's good. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's just he's so amazingly fast. But I was also impressed with the fact that Malarkey kind of changed up his way that he was attacking. Started incorporating a lot more kicks. And just a lot more diversity to his strikes. Yeah. So because like he needed something to off-put some uh, Johnson's speed. So yeah. I was I was impressed by that. But at the end of the day, I thought I still thought Johnson won that fight. I really did. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he won it then. Yeah, Malarkey, I thought definitely won the second round, uh, hands down. But um, yeah, I thought Johnson won the, the first and the third. And um, yeah, I was disappointed for him. Uh, he's had some bad luck on decisions and and has just had an up and down career with, um, you know, he just can't seem to string anything together, but uh, super talented, super tough and, and fast as hell. Like you say, uh, you know, just incredible, uh, you know, still, still that hand speed and the abilities to land shots. Uh, his jab was just so crisp and, and, you know, just knocking Malarkey off, off kilter all the time. Yeah. His, his jab was definitely on point. And, and just the way that, and I noticed too, that he was definitely moving in a, in a, in a way that he never really got out of the center area of the octagon. He never really had his back up against the cage or anything like that. He, he always was circling in the middle of the octagon, giving himself the most amount of space so he could fight Malarkey. I thought that was really smart on his part. Very smart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. The fight, the feature fight in the prelim. Had uh, a couple of young guys, Cody Brundage against T Treshawn Gore. And uh, this was a good battle until Brundage ended up uh, landing a, a massive shot that uh, put Gore down and out. Uh, yo, very impressive performance by Brundage. Um, yeah, wow. Uh, really, really proved uh, that he doesn't have to wrestle to, to win. He can uh, do it, win in the stand-up too. Yes, he can win the stand-up, and he has the power. And the funny thing is, I thought at that point in time in the in the fight that Gore was actually beginning to take advantage or being to get an advantage over Brundage. I thought Brundage was slowing down. But then when he caught him with that right hook and then finished him on the ground, Brundage got a lot of power. Yeah. And, like, and that's a wake-up note call to the rest of the division, that that dude has some serious power to yeah. put him up. 
very serious power and uh yeah it was well on display and he was um yeah he was an excited excited guy for to prove to the world that um yeah he can do this he can win the stand-up wars too it doesn't have to be just ground and pound so um we saw uh the the bullet valentina shevchenko in the building uh great to see her supporting her sister and um this was a uh really really tough battle a very close match as well. Uh, Antonina Shevchenko was pulled out the decision win over Courtney Casey. Yeah, uh, great fight by Shevchenko. Great game plan. I thought that uh, her distance management was fantastic. Uh, mixing up her strikes with a lot of like kicks, kicks to the head. And Casey was game, but I just thought that Shevchenko stand up was just, uh, she seemed to be a step ahead yeah. throughout the entirety of the fight. Yeah. Uh, David Onama got a big victory. Uh, he came in as the he- heaviest favorite on the card, facing uh, a-, a newcomer making his debut, Garrett Armfield. Uh, Onama and Armfield fought as amateurs, both uh, last amateur fight for both guys. Uh, Onama won a decision. Garrett got a call on Tuesday. Uh, do you want to make your UFC debut? Six hours later, he was in Vegas, got himself ready for the fight. Uh, as I said, Onama was the heavy, heavy, heavy favorite, but I thought um, Garrett had a great first round, uh, was uh, doing quite well in the fight until he got caught. Uh, Onama kept uh, this arm triangle, trying to get it to the point where he could choke him out. Uh, Garrett ended up going to sleep, and uh, the fight was over. Yeah, yeah. Um... But for the, the, the amount that he lasted for Armfield, he looked very impressive mm-hmm. considering he didn't really have a fight camp. Like, I, I think that guy has a future for sure if you give him a fight camp. And Onama definitely had the strengths advantage in the grappling exchanges, and that's what necessitated him getting the headed arm choke in the second round and managing to finally cinch it in and finish the fight. Yeah, that was that was impressive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, James Krauss, um, you know, was... Um, telling him what to do, and he really, really listened well. Uh, I found uh, that Kraus you know, was trying to do that uh, with, with some of his, with Carl Robertson the the, the uh, match before, and Robertson did not listen, and he ended up getting beat really bad by Kennedy and Janku, and uh, Robertson is now uh, on a four fight losing streak. And um, when you're not listening to James Krause, one of the best trainers, coaches in the world, uh, you're in trouble. He told him, do not put your back up against the cage. And that's exactly what happened. He, uh, Kennedy got the takedown and uh, was able to ground and pound him uh, into submission at the end. Yeah. And also, too, like uh, Kennedy was basically wearing out the gas tank of Robertson, chipping away at it from the first round and the second round. Out wrestling him too, which I'm a little, I was a little bit surprised at. Yeah. I thought that I thought that would be a little bit more even, but uh, Kennedy showed that he was a heck of a lot more adept at that than I thought he was. And uh, and then in the third, managed to put it on him, round and pound finish. It was I was very impressed. It was an impressive win because Roberson is a very very good fighter, yeah. even with a fight losing streak. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, he. he... Kennedy looked amazing and uh, was really, really super impressed with his performance. And um, do you want to mention anything about the the fight that kicked off the card? 
Um, yeah, uh, I'm gonna be honest. That's one fight I did not see. I, I missed that fight. So yeah, yeah, it uh, came on late. Um, they they basically uh, there was a game going on uh, for my uh, coverage as well. Um, we just saw the end. Uh, he got two um, two judges uh, went 30-27, one judge 30-26. Uh, he, he got an amazing performance. I don't even know how to say his name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Sad you come uh, cock man off? I don't know. Anyway, uh, shoot. Uh, sorry, buddy. Uh, great performance. You got a big victory. I heard that uh, it was a dominating dominating fight but we didn't see it so yeah. uh, it was a pretty good card uh you know we we were treated to such great cards uh last month um you know we're we're, we're trying they're trying to live up to it not as not quite right now but um we'll see there's five fight cards in july which is a, a rare month five of them uh this coming week we've got one coming up and that's early 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 start uh it's on long island new york at the new ubs center amazing amazing new facility they got there uh, 8 a.m pacific time the prelim start 11 a.m pacific for the main card uh if you're back east obviously it's 11 and 2 but here uh, we gotta wake up early to see it if you want to see it live uh, we've got a, an amazing battle between Brian Ortega and Yair Rodriguez. Uh, I, I've heard that Rodriguez has been told that if he wins, uh, he gets a title shot. Not sure if Ortega does because he has lost the last fight to the champ. But, um, yeah, I, I'm excited. I think this is going to be one of the best fights of the year. Yeah, because both these guys bring it. They don't take steps back. They just take steps forward. And uh, styles make fights, and these guys' styles couldn't be more different, yeah. more dynamic. Like, it's going to be a great fight. I, I'm actually super excited to see it because there's no, I can't pick a winner here. No, I, th I think for myself that's even money. That's easy for me. Yeah, both these guys uh, have really, uh, yeah, just been incredible in the last uh, couple years. There, Ortega comes in the number two ranked fighter. And Yair, number three. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a hell of a main event. I'm not impressed with the co-main event. I don't uh, think that it deserves this type of billing. Uh, Michelle Watterson and Amanda Lemos. I'm not sure why they decided to make this the co-main. Uh, yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question. Um, I, I guess it maybe they're they're trying to put a spotlight on Lemos since she's one of the best in her strawweight division. Uh, she's looking to march up the rankings to hopefully face the champ at some point in time. And I'm going to be honest, and that's my only thing I got. I, I don't. That's the only thing I got. Because yeah. Michelle Watterson is definitely not there yet. You know, she, her, she's gone up and down so far. Her last couple of fights, and it's only Lemos that I could see that they want to try to, uh, yeah, feature yeah, well, it's it's number 10 and number 11 in the strawweight division, but Watterson's lost three of her last four. Uh, Lemos just coming off a loss in her last fight against uh, Jessica Andrade, which is no slouch, obviously, one of the 
you know, toughest women in, in the division by far. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't have put this as a cold main for sure. There's, uh, there's better fighters that uh, should get that top billing. Um, Watterson was supposed to fight Amanda Hebas uh, in March, um, but she got injured. Uh, Watterson got injured and had to pull out. So they've, they've made up here and put her there. Um, you know, she is called the karate hottie. Uh, maybe it's, uh, you know, a, a, a visual thing. They want the guys to tune in to see uh, good looking girls, but um, yeah, they, they don't, they don't deserve this. Uh, they, they shouldn't be there. Uh, we should have some, some other fighters on the co-main uh, getting the, you know, top billings like, uh, like they deserve. Yeah. It, uh, eh, you know, I, if I have to play a little bit of devil's advocate, maybe they're just doing it just so they can put more attention to the females because, uh, you know, female fighters, there's a ton of them that are highly skilled. Mm -hmm. And if this is their chance to, you know, for people to see that skill come out and then if they have to put them in the co-main event, that's what they did. So, sure. but um, I'm definitely looking forward to one of the other fights on this main card, uh, Shane Burgos and Charles Jordan. That fight, they, that fight has the potential to steal the limelight from the main event. I agree. That yeah, yeah. Charles Air Jordan, the Canadian, uh, fighting Burgos. Burgos is number fourteen in the featherweight division, but I think deserves even higher ranking. And uh, I, yeah, I'm excited, very excited about this fight. Uh, Lauren Murphy, Misha Tate was supposed to happen uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, has been put onto this card. It's the first fight on the main card. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we've got. Some really great fights on the prelims as well. I'm I'm super impressed with the uh, amount of skill and top guys uh, that we see uh, all the way through this whole entire entire card. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, for like, especially for the prelim uh, fights, the Ricky Simone Jack Shore fight. I, I that that'll be a good one. That, that's good. that that's a, that's a great fight. It's a great fight for a prelim fight, man. Herbert Burns is fighting on this card. His brother was uh, uh, supposed to fight possibly on this card. Uh, Herbert um, had a fight canceled against uh, Hussein Aspinov. Now he'll fight Bill Algio. Uh, Dustin Stolzfus, really loved that guy, fighting uh, the body snatcher Dwight Grant. Uh, Dustin Jacoby. And, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited. I think this card's going to be great. I don't know why it's so early, though. Uh, quite shocking when I started looking at the times and thinking, holy cow, uh, you know, that's... Uh, I usually try to watch them live, and uh, th this will be an early start for me on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be an early start for me. I was actually pretty surprised myself because I'm like, oh, that is that is very early. That is super early. Okay, all right then. But at least uh, you'll, you'll, have, you'll have your day open for Saturday because once the fights are over, it's going to be over pretty early. Yeah. Be nice. Be nice. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and yeah, we're just over a week away uh, from the next fight in England again. Uh, Tom Aspinall is uh, headlining a big heavyweight battle between him and Curtis Blades. Uh, we've got Jack Hermanson, Darren Till, Patty Pimblett, Jordan Levitt. Uh, man, uh, Molly Meatball McCann's fighting again. Paul Craig's in there. Um, this is shaping up to be an absolutely phenomenal card. The last card in England was one of the best cards ever, ever assembled. So much excitement and so much fun. And, um, yeah, they, 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 they really stacked a ton of 
great talent on this card. Ah, yeah, this fight card is it's a beautiful thing to see. It's a beautiful thing to see. I got I got no problem with the co-main event, that's for sure. Jack Manson and Darren Till. That's a great fight. Yeah. That's a fantastic fight. That's an awesome fight. Curtis Blades and Tom Aspinall. I can see that Blades would try to use his his wrestling to his advantage against Aspinall, but is it going to work? Don't know. Might not. Aspinall's uh, his defense when it comes to his grappling is really, really good. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. It's this this is a very Great fight. Like, it's a great card up and down. Like, even, ah, we haven't seen that dude for a while. Gustafson. Gustafson. Alexander yeah, Gustafson. yeah, yeah. Fighting uh, Nikita Krylov in light heavyweight battle. Uh, that'd be yeah. awesome. And, uh, yeah, Paul Craig might uh, take Volkan Ozdemir's uh, arm with him uh, to the bar after the fight. And uh, we might get to see some uh, three-fisted drinking. I think Ozdemir has to know this going into a fight with that guy, Paul Craig. Do not go to the ground Whatever you do, it doesn't matter if you have top position or not, get up. Fight him on your feet. That's, Don't go to the ground with that guy. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, he's uh, he's been insane lately and uh, so tough. Um, amazing submissions. And, uh, yeah, look out. Uh, uh, I, I feel sorry for I, – I, I don't think – I think I would turn down the fight. If they called me right now and uh, said, make your USA debut uh, next Saturday uh, – I think I would actually turn it down. I know what I would say. I would, I would ask Sean Shelby, who else do you have? Because <laughs> I'm not taking that guy. No, no, I'm, I, no not today. No, I'm, I'm not taking that guy. I'll, I'll take somebody else. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'd be the same. Yeah. I'd be the same. Um, I heard some great uh, news today. Um, there's rumors about Yuri Perhachka after he beat Glover Teixeira that uh, maybe Jan Blachowicz would get the next uh, shot. Maybe they would do it in Europe, uh, somewhere in Eastern Europe. But um, Yuri Perhachka has said he wants Glover Teixeira to rematch. Uh, Teixeira was 30 seconds away from uh, keeping that belt, and uh, he ended up losing to Yuri. Uh, Yuri said he, he put on a terrible performance, wants to really show the world that he is better, and... Uh, has asked for a rematch really quickly. So I'm excited. I'm super excited because like that, that was a hotly contested championship fight against two guys that are ridiculously highly skilled. Like, and on the fact that Glover made a mistake that lasted for a microsecond. And that's all it took for Yuri to take advantage of that. So this time Yuri's like, no, I feel that I'm that much better. And so I'm going to have a better outing if i fight him again i'll put a i'll put a i'll yeah. put a stamp on it but will he actually be able to do that i guess we will only know if the fight gets made i'm looking forward to that i hope they make the fight because who wouldn't want to see that fight again i know yeah. i'd want to see the fight again yeah I, I i hope it happens really soon yeah it's because man that was uh one of the best title fights i've ever seen in the light heavyweight division and and, um, yeah, you got to feel sick for Clover. Uh, you know, if he didn't get another rematch, uh, you know, to, to, to know 30 seconds away from retaining the belt and having that sour taste in your mouth for years and years uh, would be horrible. I'm glad uh, he's getting a shot to get right back at it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see it too. And I know the fans are especially glad to see it because we get treated to another probably gem of a fight. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 
Okay, well, um, that's the MMA hour. We uh, covered it all uh, top to tail. Uh, really awesome. Uh, let's talk about some NBA. There's been a lot of amazing news coming uh, down the pipe in the last few days. Um, I guess the biggest shocking news that came out today is that DeAndre Ayton is just on the verge of becoming an Indiana Pacer. Uh, they have um, cleared some cap room by getting rid of Malcolm Brogdon, and uh, now they will take on DeAndre Ayton. He will leave Phoenix. Uh, they will. They did not want to give him that Supermax contract that he was asking for, and uh, he will uh, go, uh, yeah, leave the Suns after being drafted number two overall, uh, being one of the key components that got him to the, the final a uh, couple years in a row. And um, yeah, he uh, will be leaving the Valley of the Sun here. Yeah, well, it, it sounded to me like things were getting contentious at the end there anyways between um, the team and Aiton and, or Aiton's camp. Yeah. Uh, so probably him moving on to somewhere else is probably for for him be the best idea going forward. Seeming as, as you just said, the Suns were unwilling to pay him the money that he, he would be owed. So yeah, this is probably for the best. I Now the question though comes for the Suns is who's going to be that guy in the middle for you? Because that guy actually fit in your, your, in your scheme and your offense and your defense perfectly. So how do you replace that now going forward? I'm very curious to see what that answer is. Yeah. Um, yeah, supposedly, uh, they are, um, you know, trying to think that Bismack Biombo and Dario Saric can, uh, fill that role. Um, you know, it's going to be tough. Uh, but I do have some stats here, um, that I didn't, uh, I didn't know until today, actually. Um, they, they played, uh, 56, no, sorry, 568 total minutes with Aiton, Paul, and Booker on the floor. And they were twice as good uh, with Aiton not on the floor with those two guys as on the floor with him. So uh, I really love that. Um, They were – they yeah, they they won way more games – then they lost. Uh, it, it, I, there's crazy stats here. It's hard to read, but um, yeah, it just actually just really shows that um, they Paul and Booker were actually better on the floor without him than with him. That's I'm actually a little bit. I'm like I'm surprised to hear that. I'm actually surprised to hear that because you you would intuitively think it would be the complete reversal of that because I I know from at least from what I see with my eye, they look like they're really good together. The three of them, when they're on the floor together, yeah. I never would have thought that statistically that that is actually not the truth. Once you crunch the numbers. Wow. Well, I guess maybe then I, I guess their analytics guys or, or their department for the Phoenix Suns were like, well, we couldn't pay him, but this is what we've delved into when we delved into the numbers. This is what we're- yeah. Yeah. They were, uh, Plus six, um, plus seventeen points per hundred possessions, and when they were all all three were on the floor together, they were only plus eight. Uh, they were forty six and twelve in games that Aiton played, and uh, eighteen and six in games that he didn't. So 
Um, yes, uh, really, uh, really surprising. But the other thing that I really have been trying to tell a lot of my fans, a lot of my uh, followers and subscribers is that uh, realize that they want to open up some room for Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant really wants to go to Phoenix. Uh, he has asked to be traded there. Um, they might, uh, you know, have freed up a lot of money and uh, the possibility that KD could join, join the Suns down there. Um, there, there's been, an, you know, talk that he, you know, he asked to, he has to be traded on uh, June the 30th. And uh, there's been a lot of talk on where is it going to go? What's going to happen with Kyrie? What's going to happen with him? But um, this was one of his top destinations to, to try to be traded to. Interesting. Interesting, because you'd have to think for the Nets for, for it to be worth their while. Because what I've heard, what I remember hearing was that they wanted Booker in the deal right. to go over. And then the Suns were like, well, no, no Booker. No. <laughs> and that was a sticking point right away. Because, well, if you're going to get somebody of, like, of KD's nature, whatever that trade looks like would probably be something reminiscent to whatever the Timberwolves had to get for Rudy Gobert. Where right. it's a ton of everything, like, like that's our team. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so much of everything. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You, you you pretty much decimated your team. Why would you want to do that? Exactly right. Like yeah, at at some point in time, you have to think to yourself, it's like okay, well then that's not worth it. Like no. you you asked for way too much. Like Kevin Durant is good, but at the same time, if you're gonna ask, tell me that Kevin Durant can probably win a title by himself. Well, he's had that opportunity. It didn't happen. So no, he can't. No, that's true. Yeah, uh, I mentioned Malcolm Brogdon uh, going out of Indiana. It was quite the surprise there. Uh, he is now a Boston Celtic. Uh, Celtics have uh, really solidified their guard position with uh, Defensive Player of the Year Marcus Smart. Derek White came over from the Spurs this offseason. Uh, he's a great defense player as well as uh, can score. And now they've got Brogdon, who's one of the best defensive guys, a 6'5 guard that, um, you know, played great in Milwaukee. Also, really, really uh, crucial piece in Indiana. He was their top scorer last year. And he goes over five guys in a first-round pick for Brogdon. Uh, but Boston, um, yeah, I, I think they got much better. Oh, yeah, I, I think that's, that's one of the best uh, trades pickups for any team so far. Um, in this offseason, I think he'll complement that team perfectly. I think he fits in perfect with the team. Uh, now Marcus Smart can actually share ball handling duties with Malcolm Brogdon, too, as well. So mm -hmm. he's not under as much pressure. And I, I love that pick. I, I think that their team is going to be that much better uh, going forward. Only thing that I do worry about is the health of Malcolm Brogdon. He is apt to get injured, so hopefully he can stay healthy. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, so listen to the, listen to what the Pacers receive. They get uh, Andrew Naismith, Daniel Tice, Nick Stauskas, Malik Fitz, Jawan Morgan, and a 2023 first round pick. Um, man, that's a lot for one guy. Pretty, uh, pretty incredible. Um, here's, here's some of the things about Brogdon though. Uh, as I said, he led Indiana in scoring last year. Uh, also had five rebounds, six assists, uh, 19 points a, a game last year. 
Um, he is one of four active players in the NBA to have recorded 5,000 or more points, 1,500 or more assists, and 500 or more three-pointers in fewer than 350 games. So a dynamic score. Uh, he spent the first three years of his career in Milwaukee, won the Rookie of the Year there, and was very instrumental and uh, in, in very, very, very crucial there. Um, he, but he did have some injury troubles. Uh, he became the eighth player in NBA history in Milwaukee to get a 50-40-90 season, 50% from the field, 40% from three-pointers, and 90% from the free-throw line. So uh, obviously a very, very talented shooter and, and very uh, great scorer. Yeah, talented shooter, great scorer, able to spread the floor, always going to be a threat in three-point line, which is definitely something that the Celtics needed. They needed somebody to help spread the floor and is a knockdown shooter. Malcolm Brogdon is all those things. They, they came within two games of winning the NBA title this year. Um, I think this uh, really puts them as one of the, the top contenders um, in the NBA. Uh, it was a really smart acquisition. Oh, yeah. It was a, just a beautiful acquisition because it just, like I said before, it complements their team so well. Like it was perfect. He's a perfect fit for that team and what he's going to bring for that team. Yeah, and, yeah, and he's a great guy off the court. He won a, uh, a citizenship award in 2019-2020. Uh, he has a foundation that's um, huge on education, gender and health equality, and uh, he gives a lot of support for criminal justice and voting reform. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I think it was probably the biggest deal that we've seen um, in the offseason here. Uh, I, yeah, I was, uh, I was pretty blown away by the, the trade. Uh, the other trade that happened over the weekend were the Atlanta Hawks sent, uh, Kevin Herter to Sacramento for Justin Holiday and Mo Harkless and a first round pick. Um, Herter was, is a great shooter and key contributor to that, uh, Atlanta team of the last four years. But when they traded and picked up De DeJounte Murray, he became a little bit uh, redundant. They didn't want to have. Uh, him as coming in as a backup, so his days were numbered. Um, this reunites Holiday with his brother Aaron, who just signed a one-year deal yesterday. So um, those guys are back together. But, uh, yeah, the Hawks are uh, moving a lot of pieces around themselves. Yeah, yeah, the Hawks are trying to find um, a, a better formula, a better recipe for what they want to try to accomplish. I think DeJounte Murray is going to help them a great deal for that because the one thing that Trey Young is uh, weak at is his defense, and uh, one of DeJounte Murray's unbelievable strengths is his defense. Mm -hmm. So that would that will help offset that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like I, I've, liked the, I've liked the pieces that they've moved and I've liked what they've done for the team. So hopefully they can have more success, obviously, this season. I, I think it's going to work for them. I mentioned Boston um, making that trade. Uh, they also signed uh, Danilo Gallinari today, two years, thirteen point three million. Um, he was he was acquired in that Dejounte Murray deal by the Spurs. The Spurs waived him. He cleared waivers, and uh, now they yeah they've now Boston signed him. Uh, great shooter, and uh, he'll be a big compliment uh, for them as well. Yeah, uh, and again, another guy that can spread the floor too, can hit the open shot, uh, and, it's a, and he's and he's incredibly smart. 
and an underrated passer too as well. Gallinari is a good fit for the team. Yeah. Um, off the top, I mentioned the summer league, watching it and uh, enjoying it a ton. Uh, they, the, the team that I, you know, that I follow and, uh, you know, really cheer for is the Golden State Warriors. And uh, I, I focused in on some of their um, young guys. Um, we had, obviously, um, James Wiseman missing um, over a year with an injury you weren't sure how he was going to come back uh his first game he looked great uh he played very very good defensively uh very efficient and uh, tw- only 20 minutes on the court he got 11 points five of seven from the floor uh contributed to a big win there uh in the first 69 seconds he had a huge dunk a block shot and and uh, made a three-pointer and uh, stepped back off the court and said, yeah, is that what you need from me? And uh, it was a pretty impressive performance from him. Oh, that's that's a, that's fantastic for Golden State Warriors fans because you haven't seen him play for a long time, so you don't know exactly where he's at. And if this is where his development is at right now and he's looking this good already in the, in the G League, in the Summer League, that's that's just great news for the organization, period. Yeah, huge. Uh, 456 games uh, that since he's played. Uh, he was the number two overall pick uh, and has been sidelined uh, since April 2021. Uh, the other big man that uh, the Warriors utilized last year to get the championship, Kevon Looney, signed a big, uh, big deal this uh, offseason. He got a a three-year, uh, $22.5 million deal. So, um, yeah, that uh, front court's looking pretty pretty damn solid. If Wiseman can come back strong, being a seven-footer, uh, Kevon Looney, uh, everything that he contributed on that Warriors run, uh, I think it'll be uh, huge for the team. Yeah, I think that'll be massive. Like, you know, as long as Kayvon Looney can just do exactly what he did because he works within that offense and he works within that defense. And as long as James Wiseman can continue to keep improving upon what he's already shown, I, that then the Warriors are looking good for the future. Yeah. The future looks bright. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga had uh, a great game on Sunday, he scored 28 points, had seven rebounds and four assists. And uh, they signed a guy uh, out of the Lakers. The Lakers let this guy go. His name's Mac McClung. He came in and he was uh, 9-15 and from the field, scored 22 points, had five rebounds and six assists, a steal and a block shot. Uh, Amazing energy, incredible passing ability. Uh, Just couldn't believe how dynamic this uh, young guy was. He came in and he looked like a, a seasoned veteran the way he was running the floor. It was it was awesome. Uh, yeah, they look they look very stacked uh, with their young guys coming in, and you know they've got all those veterans that you know brought a fourth championship to the Warriors. Uh, I think the future just looks super bright, and that's not usually the case when you have a dynasty. You just keep losing guys. You're not getting high draft picks. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I was I was blown away. Really great. Uh, amazing amount of young talent that they have. Yeah, and it just it just keeps coming to them because like their their scouting department, their guys that are always watching like the players in the league is incredible. 
and and I and I did watch highlights of Matt McClung, and he was he was definitely on fire. He he looked fantastic. He looked like a savvy veteran. He was making great plays, great plays with the ball. Yeah, he he looked really 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 good, and he's got some bounce to his step, so to speak. He's a he's a, he's more athletic than I thought he was. He's incredibly athletic. Very yeah, very very much so. Yeah. Uh, two other notes. Um, Nikolai Jokic, two-time MVP, signed the uh, largest contract in NBA history, a big extension that will keep him as a Denver Nugget uh, until 2028 at the earliest. Uh, five years, $260 million. Uh, pretty uh, pretty sweet deal for him. Well, you know what? Uh, he's the two-time N- NBA MVP. Yeah, he's earned it. And he's like literally the best big man passing center we've ever seen yeah. or probably ever will see in our lifetime. He's yeah. that good. And the uh, <clears throat> the Nuggets picked up Bruce Brown, uh, which was a huge, huge pickup. Uh, they obviously are um, going to get Jamal Murray back this year, Michael Porter Jr., uh, which will you know be huge, huge for them. But um, – I saw some stats here. Uh, Jokic used more than three times as many ball screens as any other center last year. And Bruce Brown uh, was the top guard in the NBA who set more ball screens. Uh, and he was, um, yeah, by far and away the top guy. So uh, every single time a ball screen was set uh, by the Nuggets, uh, Jokic scored over a point every single time that they did it. And it was the highest mark among all players in the NBA by far. A really smart compliment uh, for both guys coming in here. Yeah, that that's actually a very intelligent pickup by the organization to get Bruce Brown so that those guys can play pick and roll off each other and just, uh, just kill a team by death by a thousand cuts. It's like, you're going to have to make a choice. It's probably going to be the wrong one because Jokic is so good at manipulating the defense off of a pick and roll like that. He's he's a master at it, second to none. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Dejounte Murray. Uh, he <clears throat> is so good in, in, in the defensive role. Um, the Hawks ranked 28th in opponent turnovers last year. Dejounte Murray came in as the leader in the NBA at, uh, at turnovers um, or at, at steals and, and things to come in. Um, they're going to have to uh, both play a little bit less. They both ranked as the top two guards in the NBA as playing the most uh, minutes in the NBA and, um, and, and, and possessions, uh, being able to you know, be the guy bring up the ball. Uh, the only other players who ranked in, you know, even close to them were Russell Westbrook and LeBron James, and they were way, way, way down the thing. So uh, it, it might take a little while for them to know who's going to handle the ball, who's going to be taking the shots. Um, hopefully they can coexist. We've seen guys that, you know, it looked like a kind of a tough fit, Uh you know, hopefully uh, the Hawks can figure out uh, these two guys coming together. Yeah, it, it's going to take some time. There's obviously going to have to be an adjustment period between these uh, 
these two stellar guards. But given time, and as long as they're both willing to work with each other, it's going to work. They'll figure it out. They're smart yeah. enough to do that. Did you hear about the Lillard contract? No. No, actually, I didn't. Was he that? signed a two-year extension. Uh, he's already two. He's already has two years left on his original deal, but he signed a two-year deal for $122 million. Not bad. Not bad. Oh, okay. Okay. That, that's for a little bit of a chunk of change. Not bad. So he's going to give the Blazers at least two more years. Giving them Didn't vote for a max extension. So that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, well, uh, you know, it seemed like they were get they got rid of CJ McCollum last year. They got rid of a ton, ton of guys out of that team. They gave uh, Nurkic uh, an extension, and now um, <coughs> now Damien stepped up and uh, asked for extension as well. And and uh, 122 million uh, for two years. Yeah, that's got to be the most I've ever seen for a two year deal. I I think so. It, well, he's going to make 61 million a year. <laughs> And that's the one thing that I've actually been kind of we're, we're, we look at it as it's like kind of like, well, that's a given. But the amount of money that's been given out this offseason has been unbelievable. Yeah. Like with the amount of people that are saying, signing max extensions, like just how many two hundred million dollar deals or something close to is just unbelievable. It's, 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 just, it's amazing. It's, it's great you know, for yourself to be an NBA player at this point in time. Yeah. Because like, yeah, there's a lot of money to be had, clearly. <laughs> yeah. uh, what'd you think of the Rudy Go Gobert deal to Minnesota? Pretty amazing deal. <sighs> if it works, it will be amazing. I don't know if it will, because in this day and age of the NBA, we usually don't see two bigs like that playing together on the, on the court at the same time or for extended points of time on the court, and especially not in the playoffs. But they're, they're betting on this. They're betting on that to work with Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert playing together. I'm curious to see how it all, how it all shakes out. Like, yeah. like maybe Rudy Gobert is able to cover them defensively, and then Carl Anthony Towns is able to cover everything else offensively, right? So, yeah, I'm curious to see how it works because it, it's a huge bet on their part, big bet. There is, yeah. Uh, what do you think about John Wall going to the LA Clippers? I think that's <laughs> it's a no-brainer for the Clippers to take him on uh, because uh, they didn't have to take on his salary. Uh, Houston had to pay him out for that. And the, what, like, as John Wall even said, so I would be the third best guy when you have to play against Kawhi and Paul George. Well, that guy is going to get eaten up by me. <laughs> whoever that person is. and he's got a point like it's just like well, you already got to deal with those two dudes and you got that guy over there <laughs> it, it's the Clippers are going to be a problem this year I think if those guys come back healthy and they're ready to go oof, that's a scary team that's a scary team man. pretty pretty amazing yeah very scary yeah it's <laughs> going to be awesome to see yeah especially if uh, they, they can get healthy Kawhi can be back yeah um, I guess they've uh, decided unanimously, unanimously against the governors that they will have the play-in tournament going forward. They will not be voting on it every year. They're going to have the seven through ten teams in both the East and the West do the play-in. It has been quite successful so far and had a lot more teams in the mix interested in 
and trying to make the playoffs. Um, and they've decided, yeah, yeah. As long as the uh, NBA Players Association approves it, uh, this will go ahead and be a thing maybe forever and ever. I think it's good. I think it's a good thing. I think it adds a little bit uh, more heft to the end of the season and see where people are going to end up. And also, too, it gives the organization something to play for because, you know, you get in the playoffs, you get that playoff uh, revenue money as well. So I I think it's a win-win for everybody across the board. And the other thing that they voted on today, I heard that um, they they have to have a few more conversations, but they want this in-season tournament about halfway through the year. Uh, they want to have um, the top eight teams competing for it, and uh, they, they want to give at least a million dollars to each player that's on the winning team. And uh, they're one step closer to having uh, – an in-season tournament, uh, which should be very interesting. Very interesting. Because I'm just interested in how it's going to come across to the to your average fan and uh, how exactly this tournament's what it's going to look like and how it's going to work. But it, it, it's, it's trying something new. And I, and, I, and, I, and I applaud the NBA for trying something new. Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, – yeah, I, I think it's uh, worth checking out and, uh, yeah, at least give it a try. Uh, I think it can generate a lot a lot of revenue. Um, I Yeah, I'm not sure how it's going to play out and, and if, you know, super, lots of fans will be super interested in it, but I think they'll be able to sell it uh, to a, a major network and get a, a lot of revenue for it. And, uh, you know, we're talking about these massive contracts that are handed out to all these players this offseason. Uh, they need to generate revenue from – other sources and this just might be the thing. Yeah, that might be the thing right there. You're you're absolutely right. That might be it. And like you said, it it, it will garner attention. Uh, so for fans or fan or just you know your casual fans, they'll be like, oh, what's this all about? And they'll tune in, and then hopefully we get more NBA basketball fans from this. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Uh, okay, let's just finish it off with a couple of NFL notes. Uh, we mentioned the Seahawks earlier. Uh, heard that they are really trying to bring in Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, they're trying to make a trade and trying to bring him over. Uh, right now, they have Drew Locke and Geno Smith as their quarterbacks that uh, could be under center when the season starts. Um, Trey Lance has taken over uh, the number one job in San Fran, and uh, Jimmy G's out there. Um, they might have a hard time trading within the same division like that. But um, if there's no takers for Jimmy G elsewhere, uh, maybe he even goes on waivers, but it looks like the Seahawks are very interested in trying to bring him in to be their quarterback. Uh, that That's a smart play for the Seahawks because he's, in my opinion, better than the quarterbacks they have right now. So that if they can, if they manage to get them, they manage to make a deal done in some sort of way. I think that'd be best for the Hawks. I know that, yeah, you usually don't want to trade within your division, but ah, yeah. Anyways, let's be honest. Are the Hawks going to be like a threat to you? 49ers? No. So yeah, yeah, Yeah. I don't see a problem. (laughs) The uh, 49ers really need to clear up some salary cap space. Uh, Debo Samuel. Uh, needs a new deal if he stays. Uh, he has asked for a trade out of there. Uh, and they need to extend Nick Boza, their big pass rusher there. And they only have supposedly $5 million left in cap space, so not enough to 
get those top two guys in the fold. So, uh, yeah, I think this is probably going to happen. We'll uh, we'll keep you posted. Um, the other thing that's um, on the docket supposedly this week is Deshaun Watson's decision on possible suspension is supposed to happen this week. Um, the Browns got rid of Baker, Baker Mayfield this past week. Um, they, it'll be pretty devastating for them if uh, he gets a long suspension. Uh, they're talking possibly one to two year suspension for um, the things that have gone on in John Watson's life outside football. Well, something had to happen. Yeah, you have to send a message uh, to like uh, not not just like your fans, but also to the players as well. Like you know, there's there's certain behaviors that are just completely unacceptable. That being one of them. Yeah. Uh, so as far as I'm concerned, whatever the league decides to hand down, or however harsh it is, it's absolutely what he deserves. Yeah. So. Good point. Uh, a couple of really interesting notes um, this week. Um, we we can get Sunday ticket. Uh, I have. I have Shaw. Uh, some of my friends have TELUS locally here in Vancouver, BC. Um, Sunday ticket will not be available on those platforms anymore. Sunday ticket where you can watch all the games from all the markets around will only be available on a streaming service. And they are uh, putting it out to um, a top, the top bidder. And uh, whoever uh, steps up with the most money, uh, I, I guess, is uh, going to be the one that uh, supplies you with that Sunday ticket. Wow. They, they're really just selling it like that. It's like whoever wants to give us the most billions amount of dollars gets it. It's like they're auctioning off their services, actually. Yeah. Now, the question is, who's going to be the one with the biggest bank? Yeah. I'm super curious to see who that is because like that could be somebody new. It could be like Amazon Prime, basically yeah. Jeff Bezos saying, "How many billions? Ah, not a big deal." I'm so Here's glad. I'm so glad you mentioned Amazon because uh, Amazon has secured the rights for Thursday night football. They uh, will be streaming on Amazon only. We will not be able to see it on regular cable. Uh, you'll only be able to get it on Amazon Prime. And they signed uh, Al Michaels to a five-year, $75 million deal to be the play-by-play guy. And Kirk Herbstreet will be his color man. And um, I, I would I would definitely bet on that Sunday ticket being on Amazon as well. Yeah. Yeah, because they're, they're already setting it up already. And like, so, and that's what happens when you got a lot of money. <laughs> you can, you can buy everything. Um, I'm, it, it's it's funny because now the NFL is just going to have a different approach because now when you're used to watching games on a certain channel, it's not going to be there anymore. No. It's, it's not going to be there. So then people's viewing habits will have to change. But if Amazon Prime actually gets that, gets all of all of football, their viewership is going to skyrocket. Yeah, It's going to take off. Like, yeah, it's going to pay for itself. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know that, um, you know, a lot of people are cutting their cable. Uh, a lot of young people don't uh, watch TV really anymore. They just do streaming services and the NFL's, you know, needing to try to go in that direction. Most of the football fans are people in their forties to their nineties and, and uh, they're going to, you know, want to try to get that uh, younger audience in there. And uh, this is a big, big, big first step for them. 
Yeah, it's a huge first step, but it's the right step because they, if, if anything, the NFL is very adept at evolving. And so they're going to evolve with the change. They're going to evolve with the times. And if the new media is demanding for them to change how their media is being um, consumed, then they're going to do that. Yeah. They're definitely going to do that. Yeah. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, um, yeah, I guess I'll be watching lots of uh, Amazon uh, this season when the, the, the season starts up. I, I bought a few uh, football magazines to keep up on all the goings on. Uh, just crazy how much uh, news there always is in the NFL in the offseason and uh, all the changes. Uh, so many guys changing teams this offseason that are big. You mentioned Devontae Adams, and everybody's talking about how how hard it's going to be for Aaron Rodgers to go for that third MVP in a row without that massive weapon. And suddenly Derek Carr becomes one of the guys that you might want on your fantasy football team now, because uh, he's getting to throw to Devonte and, and uh, yeah, maybe the Raiders are, um, you know, going to be a huge force to be reckoned with. Well, if, I, if, if those fans from like over the weekend were telling me anything, yeah, they're the only thing to be worried about the only one. <laughs> but I would have to say there's a couple other teams too that I would think there would be in the possibility of discussion because I I'm, I'm looking again at the chargers yeah. and if they, if they can take another step, like I think, cause like, uh, Hebert, uh, is, I think he's probably, he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks this year. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Cause yeah, if I, if I was in that discussion, I would have overpowered <laughs> <laughs> Raiders fans with why I think the Chargers are the team to, to watch out for. Uh, you and I, you know, were able to break down week after week, and it was like, hey, we can see those Chargers. They're coming. Look out. Uh, it might not be this year. It might not be next year, but look out. They're coming, and this is the year, I think. Uh, look out. Uh, I think they're going to be one of the top teams in football. Yeah, I, I, I feel like that, that this is it. This is their breakout year. And especially for that young quarterback for that team, I, I think this is this is it. This is where he figures a lot more out. He has the weapons to do that. He's got the defense to back him up. I, I think uh, I think this might be the Chargers year this year. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. You should look up some uh, Seahawks tickets. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, it just suddenly made my fall look uh, really exciting and fun. And uh, I'm glad you got a chance to go down Seattle. Uh, awesome city. Loved living down there when I did. And, um, yeah, I miss uh, being able to go to, uh, you know, games super regularly. And, uh, you know, I'm glad. Thanks for uh, waving that Canadian flag and going and supporting the Jays and getting down there. And, uh, you know, also contributing to the economy uh, via all the beer that you must have drank while you were down there. Good good job. Yeah, well, I tried to eat as much and have my and have my fun, too, as well. Have some drinks. It was it was a it was a tremendous amount of time. Like it was so so much fun, Good. and like I said, like the, the just the services and the field, uh, T-Mobile Arena, just awesome, just yeah. a just an awesome field. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm I'm sure you're tired now. You probably didn't get much sleep over the weekend. So uh, thanks so much for doing this and uh, being able to contribute. Uh, a great insight as always, and. Uh, yeah, let's work on being the best at this. Uh, you know, it's attainable. I think uh, we can be the the best at, at, at doing this. And uh, yeah, why not? No, of course, why not? Hey, we're we're doing it right now. All we got to do is just just keep improving. And uh, the more times we do this, the more we keep keep getting better.
And uh, I couldn't be happier doing this with you, pal. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it as always. Have a great week ahead, man. I look forward to keeping in touch and uh, hopefully we can see each other soon. All right. You betcha, man. You enjoy the rest of your week as well. Okay. Take care, man. Bye for now. Okay. Well, we've reached another end to another great uh, weekend wrap-up podcast. Uh, Complete Sports Media has uh, is a lot of fun and lots of um, great co- contributors. And uh, Jason is the is the guy that uh, you know pretty much every single week he's stepping up and and giving them great insight and lots of uh, entertaining takes um, on the world of sports and and other things as well. Glad he got a chance to go down to Seattle. That's a blast. Uh, I, I recommend it to anybody that uh, even isn't a football fan. Just go down there and uh, support the Jays and the Mariners. And um, yeah, it's only a two hour drive from here. So easily doable. And um, yeah, I'm sure looking forward to going and seeing the, the Raiders Seahawks uh, game. Hopefully the Seahawks can figure it out this year and uh, get to little, uh, yeah, a little better under center there. Um, I don't think very many people are excited about the prospect of Drew Locke and Geno Smith being the number one guys there. Uh, yeah. Past history hasn't, hasn't fared well for them being uh, that guy. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, yeah. It could be a, a, a down year. It could be a couple of years of transition, but losing Russell Wilson was a big blow. Um, and uh, yeah, but uh, that, uh, that, that team that won uh, the Super Bowl a few years back and went uh, to a second one that should have won uh, that team is no longer uh, maybe Pete Carroll's there is <laughs> about the only guy that's left, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the NFL season. And, and as we said, uh, it's going to be interesting seeing these streaming services now. Um, you yeah, have to, to watch your football. Uh, it'll be wild. Uh, quite a, quite a different uh, world and realm that uh, NFL is going into. And I guess a lot of sports too. Uh, yeah. They're, they're entering that streaming service world that, movies and TV shows have, have been doing for the last few years on Netflix and, and all the others that came along. So uh, anyway, appreciate your support as always. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sticking around to the end. I uh, really want to um, just mention our partners and sponsors as well. I uh, want to say thank you so much to anchor.fm easiest place to make a podcast. They're really great at posting on multiple podcast platforms for us. Just go to anchor.fm and follow the rules there. And uh, yeah, you'll be able to have a lot of fun. I want to mention Verbero, the hockey equipment and apparel company, industry leader in technology, performance, and value. And the V350 stick is a must-have for hockey players in your midst. Uh, I want to mention Pampas and Possibilities. uh, Really fantastic at uh, being able to spruce up your home with great um, decor. And Forever Living, the aloe vera company for health and beauty products. You can purchase um, any products on our website at discounted rates. And uh, appreciate everything that you give us. Thanks so much. Tell your friends, tell your family. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's make this the best thing that uh, you've ever seen. And um, yeah, have a great week ahead. Enjoy the summer. It's finally really here. Feels warm. Feels like summer. Uh, I'm sure it is in uh, the other parts of the world. 
um, that uh, I have the, <laughs> these people uh, tune in uh, on a regular basis, except Australia, where I've got my my family back there. Um, it is uh, winter for them, but uh, it's still <laughs> it's still pretty warm compared to winter here in in Canada, uh, North America. But anyway, love you. Take care of yourself. Have a great week ahead, and we'll talk soon. Bye for now.